my legs, do you know? Don't you like it when I come from behind? <laughs> All right. Sorry, you could probably turn that down. That's pretty loud. Good morning, everybody. Glad you guys are here. Can I just, I'm going to hit pause for just a second and say, can we give the Lord a hand for our worship team today? We had some personnel changes, including this morning. We usually start practicing at about 8 to 8.15. And we had, uh, uh, I actually made it, we got, I got a text saying that our drummer was sick. And so we even had, I called Greg at 10 to 8 this morning. He lives like half an hour away or something. So he came screaming in. Just, he's our, usually our guitar player. And uh, so he was on drums today. So they were shifting all around. Anyway, I really appreciate you guys and uh, love the way you let us worship today. So thank you so much for that. Well, we're going to kick off today, and I'm really excited. I think God's got some great stuff, and so we're going to kick off a new series today called, a, called Finding the Cure, and today we're going to start out by talking about finding the cure for loneliness, and I have to say loneliness is kind of a big thing in our culture right now, isn't it? There's, there's a lot of us, I think, have been experiencing isolation and loneliness. I think we were experiencing it even before COVID, but now with uh, the COVID era, it's been even worse. Let me share some of the stats that I ran across this weekend. I'll, I'll start out pre-COVID and then I'll move into the COVID era. But this was uh, from a couple years ago, but the New York Times uh, reported on some research about loneliness. They, they said this, this is what they found. That, that loneliness can be as deadly to your health as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. Isn't that crazy? The impact of loneliness on us. A recent study showed that over 200,000 elderly people, again, this is pre-COVID in Britain, had not had a single conversation with a friend or relative in over a month. Loneliness, it's a, it's a huge deal. It's not just older people either. University students report feeling very alone because often they say they feel rejected or they feel like they don't fit in or they don't have people that really get them. Uh, it's gotten so bad that in, in 2018 in the UK, this is fascinating, but the, the UK actually appointed a minister of loneliness to a cabinet position in their country because they considered it to be such an epidemic that it demanded somebody in the government that was in charge of this and reporting on it on an irregular way. It's crazy. According to Cigna, a global health service company, Gen Z, so those that are in college now and, and below, is reported to be the loneliest generation in American history. Isn't that crazy? The report feel, they reported feeling lonely more than any other negative emotion, and all that is before COVID. Now jump into the COVID era, and uh, according to one study, COVID-19 related isolation has increased feelings of loneliness across every generation by more than 25%. Mental distress, according to the, uh, the time, uh, article, mental distress among Americans has actually tripled during the pandemic. Loneliness is a big deal in our culture right now, isn't it? In fact, if we had time, I bet we could go around this room and share stories about times during the last days or weeks or months where you and I have felt lonely. Is that fair to say that probably most of us have felt lonely sometime during this COVID era? I, I think that's probably a safe bet. Well, today I want to take a quick look at what we're calling the cure for loneliness. And I'm going to try to do it fairly quickly because we've got a baptism later, which is going to be awesome. It's going to, uh, I think, dovetail together really well. But I, I, so I won't be able to kind of hit everything related to loneliness, especially not in one uh, in message. But what I want to do is I want to try and focus in and hit the core uh, of what I think drives so much of the loneliness in our own hearts and in our own souls. Well, I spent a, a good portion of the week in kind of studying John 15 and John 16. It's 
Uh, might be familiar passages to some of you, but I've actually never read it through the eyes of loneliness before, through that kind of filter or that kind of lens, but I actually think it's a perfect passage uh, for this topic. Like I said, we're not going to have time to go into, into depth at all of this. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to actually start uh, kind of at the end. I'm going to start on a couple of things that Jesus talks about in John 16 and then kind of move backwards, and we're going to camp out for a little bit uh, at, at the, the portion uh, at the end in John 15. But anyway, here's the big idea for today. This is what I want you to consider. Here's kind of where we're going. I think from a biblical perspective, I think every time you and I experience or feel loneliness, it's an invitation to friendship with God. Okay, I'm going to say that again. Every time you and I feel a twinge of loneliness in our own heart, in our own soul, I think it's a, from a spiritual perspective, it's an invitation to find what we need and crave and long for in a relationship, in a friendship with God. Okay, we're going to jump into to, to part of John 16, and I want to talk about uh, you know, loneliness, because it can mean a lot of different things, right? We could be in a room full of people like this, and we can feel lonely, right? Or we can be uh, in, a, in a season where we are by ourselves, and we cannot feel lonely. So what is, what is loneliness? There's, there's a couple things I want to look at from, from these scriptures. The first one, sometimes loneliness is just true isolation, right? Where people leave us, where we are abandoned, where we are rejected, or where we're just you know, or COVID hits, and we're just in an era where literally we don't have connection with other human beings. Well, there's a part of John 16, very close to the to the end of John uh, of Jesus' ministry and Jesus' life here on earth, and he announces that to his followers. Right? He says, you know, in a little while, you're not going to see me anymore, and you will grieve. But then he goes on to say, but your grief will be turned to joy because you will see me again, and when you do, no one will be able to take away your joy. And some of his disciples at this point, they're like, aha, they're like, finally, you're speaking clearly. Finally, we get it. We get what you've been talking about. And this is Jesus' response. Listen to this. John 16, starting with verse 31, says this. He says, do you now believe, Jesus replied? A time is coming, and in fact has come, when you will be scattered, each to your own home. You will leave me all alone, Jesus says. Yet I am not alone. My Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, Jesus says, you'll, you will have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. And Jesus talks in this passage sort of about a kind of loneliness when we are physically abandoned. When we are literally alone. And all of us probably know this kind of loneliness in one way or another. Because in, in this world, in this life, sometimes people abandon us. Sometimes people let us down. Sometimes it's not their fault. Sometimes people die. Sometimes uh, because we live in a sin-stained culture. Sometimes divorce happens in our world. Sometimes best friends betray us. I mean, sometimes, again, COVID hits and we're locked down in our houses for days and weeks or sometimes even months on end. It's loneliness, and we have all experienced and felt it sometimes. Again, sometimes we can be in a room full of people and we can still feel alone, but sometimes we are just isolated. I know people that uh, are single and they feel that way. They, they come home from work and they cook dinner for themselves and they watch TV by themselves and they go to bed and they repeat and they'll talk about this ache of loneliness in their own hearts. Other people that I know, friends of mine, good friends well, who are married can feel the exact same way, right? They can be like, you know, I'm, I'm, there's somebody physically there, but I still feel well, this is, this is crazy because Jesus understands loneliness. He, in fact, within just a few hours of this conversation he's having with his disciples, 
They will literally scatter. They will deny him. One will betray him. All will abandon him, and he will be left alone to die. Jesus understands loneliness. He understands that feeling of abandonment, that feeling of being alone. And yet, I want you to pay attention to what he says here. He says, you, he's saying to his best friends, those he has spent the last three years pouring into and developing, those that will take over his ministry, right? he's handing it over into their care. And he says, you will all abandon, you will leave me all alone. And I want you to pay attention to the next phrase, because what he says, you will leave me all alone, yet I am never alone. Why? Why? Because my Father is with me. See, according to Jesus, when you and I experience, when we feel loneliness, when our friends or people around us abandon us, when, when those that we love let us down, when we are left all alone, it's an opportunity, an invitation even, to find what we need in a relationship with God. He's saying, yes, the reality is I will be alone, but I have learned, it's not just a trite thing Jesus is saying either. It's not like some, like he's giving you the right Sunday school answer. I'm not sure, but the, the answer is Jesus, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's not like that. He's not saying, oh, I'm not alone because my father's, this is something he experienced to the core of his being, is he had found life, right? He had found everything in connection with his father. In fact, a lot of times the disciples would be looking for him, right? He's, they're like, man, there's crowds and there's people and they're wanting more ministry. This is great. Your name's going to be held up on banners and it's going to be awesome. And, and they'd be like, wait, wait where's, where's Jesus? Where, where is he? We, we can't find him. And, and they, his disciples would go looking for him. Where'd they find him? He'd be out praying and connecting with the father, right? He'd be spending time with his father. Why? Because in the midst of everything else, he had learned that there's nothing better than friendship with God, than connection with the living God. You'll leave me alone, Jesus says, but I am never alone because my father is with me. Well, what's the cure for loneliness according to Jesus? It's friendship with God. It's knowing that your father is with you. Rick Warren, pastor and author, says this. He says, what you often call loneliness is really homesickness for God. Isn't that true? Every time you and I feel a twinge of loneliness in our hearts and in our souls, it's an invitation to friendship with God. Let's keep going. Okay, so that's the end of chapter 16. We're going to go back a little bit. And we find a different kind of loneliness that Jesus talks about here with his followers. He says, you know, sometimes... There's a loneliness that comes from not being around other people that are like you, from being around other people maybe that don't get it, that maybe that aren't like you or aren't living for the same stuff you are. And he's, he's talking specifically to his followers, and he's saying when he's talking about this, right? He's talking to Christ followers and saying, man, sometimes you'll be around other people that aren't living as Christ followers, that aren't living, I mean, they might be living here and now for this world and getting money and stuff and popularity for all this kind of, like, it, they're going to be living for the success of this world. And you, that might make you feel alone because you're living for another world. And I've, I've felt that way before. Maybe some of you have to. I've been around other people. Sometimes church going, like good church going, you know, woo kind of people that, we're just now living for the same things, right? Right. I mean, they're, they're just kind of living and going on a track where they're just like, man, I, it's all about me and my family and my desires and what's easiest and best for number one. I'm looking out for number one. And I, it can make me feel completely alone. Like, man, I, I don't, that's not what I'm, I'm not betting at all on that, right? I, I used to be there, but God's, God's 
me and save me and transform me. And now I'm living for another kingdom. I'm living for another day. But he says, Jesus says, you know what? It's, it's normal. In fact, it's, we should even expect it as Christ followers. If you are really living for Jesus, there will be times when you will feel lonely and isolated because of that. Listen to this. John 15, uh, verse 18 says this. Jesus is talking again. He said, you know, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world because I have chosen you out of this world. That's why the world hates you. Remember what I told you? A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, Jesus says, they'll persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey you, yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, Jesus says. For they do not know the one who sent me. Well, Jesus tells his followers, he says, you know, there's a loneliness that comes sometimes into the life of every real Jesus follower because we did not belong to this world. Because we are not living for ourselves or for money or for power or prestige. We are not living for this world. But if we're following him, we're living for his kingdom. We're living for his glory, for his purposes and his plans to prevail. We are living out different values and different priorities. And sometimes, even lots of times, people will people that are living for the here and now, they just won't get it. And they might look at you and they might mock you. They might call you names. They might scratch their head and look at you like you're from a different planet. Right? That kind of stuff. And Jesus is to some degree is saying, you should expect that. That's sort of normal for those. There's an isolation and a loneliness that comes from that. Let me give you an example. I was talking to a friend of mine, somebody from the church. Here a couple three weeks ago, maybe, and there were a young woman was talking about just saying, Man, I've really been trying to invest in my relationship with Jesus this summer. And so she during COVID, so she's really been growing and flourishing and coming to life. And uh, and she's a part of a, a, a couple other uh, women that had like a, a friendship group that they were part of. And so she started sharing more of what God was doing in her ways that she was being transformed, and she started kind of sharing with them, and as a result, she got excluded from that group. Right, and just sort of like they, her friends were just like, I don't get that. That's sort of weird. Okay, I'll be. <laughs> you see that? Like microphone as well. But she she sort of got excluded from that, and there was a loneliness factor that came to her. Right? She was like, man, that made me feel so alone. And sometimes we experience loneliness because we're following Jesus. And, and, and I want you to look at this because what's the solution to this kind of loneliness? If you had to guess, what you say? The solution is going to be. Friendship with God, right? But this is, it goes into this entire section where Jesus is teaching about the Holy Spirit. Listen to this, John 16, starting in verse 6, says, he says, you know what? You are filled with grief because I have said these things. Jesus says this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, he says, who's the advocate? The Holy Spirit. Unless I go away, the Holy Spirit will not come to you, Jesus says. But if I go, I will send him to you. What's the cure for loneliness? Well, Jesus promises to send his spirit to fill us in, and to be with us in his absence. And in fact, it's, it's so good that he says, actually, it's better. It's for your good that I am going away. Now, think about that. Jesus, right? Healer, right? Miracle worker, phenomenal teacher, savior, all that. He's saying, you know, it's better for you to have the spirit than to have me present with you. Is that a little bit of a jaw-dropping statement? 
Jesus rose people from the dead. <laughs> and he said, no, it's, it's actually for your good, because if I go, I will send someone to fill you and be with you so you will never, ever be alone. It's better. It's better, he says. It's better. Friendship with God is the cure. In our loneliness, God comes to us and he fills us with his presence so that we are never alone. Every time you and I experience loneliness, friends, it's an invitation to friendship with God. Let's go back to the, to the beginning of John 15, because in this passage, he uses this imagery and says, I'm like uh, the you know, vine, you're like the branches, all this kind of stuff. But he ends up saying this, and I want you to look as we read through this. He says, Jesus says, fullness and joy and fruitfulness, all this stuff. Those things that are kind of opposite to loneliness and emptiness. All those things, fullness and joy and life and love, all that is found in friendship with God by remaining God. Listen to this, John 15, starting with verse 5. Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given for you. It will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. He says, now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you'll remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and so that your joy may be complete or may be full. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love is no man than this than, he, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends, he says. For everything that I've learned from the Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command to love each other. I just love the image here. Jesus, again, is inviting his followers. He's inviting you and he's inviting me into friendship with God. To remain not just with him, but to remain in him. To remain in his love. To remain in his presence. To remain in his word. And let his words remain in us. And as we develop this relationship, this friendship with God, what happens? Well, here's a few of the things he mentions. We bear much fruit. Right? He's, he's talking about ways that we can be more loving, more joyful, more, more radiant, more, more of him in our lives. We bear fruit, he says, as we remain in him, as we develop that friendship with him. He says, our joy will be complete. <laughs> Your lives will be overflowing with joy. We'll see him at work as he answers our prayers, he says, because he delights to give good gifts to his friends and to his, his people. And we learn to love others as he has loved us. Greater love is no one than this, Jesus says, than, than he lays down his life for his friends. And Jesus says, and I, and I am your friend, and you are my friend. And we see that with, within just a matter of hours of this conversation with his followers. Jesus, in fact, lays down his life for his friends, doesn't he? He lays down his life. He goes to the cross to pay for the sins of the world so that we can come back into relationship, into friendship 
But God, it's a story in the Bible. We, we, we read about it all the way back in Genesis. If you go all the way back, right, you see we are created for that kind of friendship, that relationship with God. It talks about Adam and Eve used to walk with God in the cool of the day. God would come down and walk with them, hang out with them, do life with them, be friends with him. And then sin enters the world. And what happens? All of a sudden, Adam and Eve are separated from God. And there's loneliness. They're separated from one another. And there's loneliness. Right? All this kind of stuff. And, and so you fast forward back to the New Testament. There's, there's been separation. There's been all this loneliness because of sin. Because of the ways that we have turned away from God. Actually, let me give you one more uh, picture from the, the Old Testament. So, so God comes looking for them in the, the cool of the day, right? To go walk with them and spend time with them after sin enters the world. And where does God find them? You remember? Hiding where? Hiding in the bushes. They are alone. They are afraid. And they're hiding from God. Right? I mean, literally, you're like, man... Don't you understand that loneliness, that emptiness that you're feeling is actually distance. It's separation from God. But rather than going to him, they're hiding in the bushes. Which, by the way, you think that would work? You think you could hide from God in the bushes? I don't think that's a thing. Right? But I mean, they're hiding from God. Well, fast forward several, you know, thousands and thousands of years until we get to the life of Jesus. And Jesus says, you know what? Greater love is no one than this. The man lays down his life for his friends. He says, and and you are my friends. I'm not calling you servants. I'm not calling you slaves because I have come to pay the price for your sins right on the cross so that, you, so that your sin can be wiped out, can be no more, so that you can come out of the bushes into the presence of the living God and rediscover and live in afresh the fullness and the love and the relationship. distance from everyone else. You don't have to hide in the bushes anymore. There is something better. And Jesus says, that is why I have come. Right? I have come. I will lay down my life so you can come back to God so you can experience fullness and joy and life and friendship with God that you were created for. Well, I had uh, the privilege this week to sit down with Blake and uh, he's getting baptized today, and he got to hear his story, got to record his story a little bit, and, and I love the way it dovetails because Blake discovered in a very in an incredibly painful and incredibly lonely season of his life, he got to discover friendship with God, and his life has been transformed. So we're going to hear his story. I'm going to listen for that theme as we go through, and then we're going to have the privilege of baptizing him as he, as he goes public with his faith. And then, uh, as is our practice, once he's baptized, uh, we'll come around him and pray for him. We'll wear masks, and let's, we'll be a little careful. And so maybe just maybe 10 or 15 of us, not, not everybody in the entire church, but we'll come around and we'll pray for him. And then I'm going to wrap us up a little bit. But I'm excited uh, I'm excited for you to be able to hear this story of, uh, of, of what God has done in place. And so with that, let's, we'll kind of turn down the lights, and we'll roll. So growing up, I, I guess you could say I had, from a Christian perspective, at least pretty much the ideal um, childhood. I, I had an amazing, still have an amazing family. Love you, Mom. But, uh, I, you know, I had this amazing, loving family that were all Christ followers and Christ really well. I grew up in a Christian school my entire life, from preschool to senior year. Um, I went to church, you know, every Sunday. 
I even, you know, helped out a lot, especially when I was younger. But, um, you know, and I was really good at that. I had all the head knowledge. I, you would look at me and you'd go, wow, that's a good young Christian man right there. And, and I thought I was too. I, I really believed that I knew Christ. And if someone had tried to ask me about it, I would be like, yeah, Jesus, yeah. I don't know, dude, but, but, you know, looking back, I know now that that's just wasn't really the case. There was no love, there was no real relationship there, and just, somehow I just missed it, and it was, it was all head knowledge, and I didn't even realize it. Um, but anyway, as I, as I left for college, um, I started living kind of however I wanted to, and not in the, the typical college sense. It's like, oh, I'm out partying, I'm out drinking, doing drugs, all these things. It was more really that I just... Did, I, I lived life however it seemed best to me, and, and all the, the head knowledge of Christ, all, all the knowledge of God, um, especially since I didn't have that personal relationship, and now I'm in an environment where I didn't have all those amazing tools and family and friends, and just faded in. There was never a point where I said, yeah, I don't believe that, but it influenced none of my decisions, and it was almost never on my mind. And so eventually, I started dating this girl, and things, you know, we got closer, and, you know, loved each other, and, and I really got to the point where I was like, man, I want, I want to marry this girl someday. I, I, I put all of my desires and dreams, and, and she was the thing that really drove me. It was, it was that life became about that girl. Eventually, she ended up breaking up with me, and it was depressing and I was destroyed and it was it was it was terrible and um, I was really just, just destroyed and eventually I was like okay I'm gonna be tough I'm gonna be strong we're gonna get past this it's gonna be great I'm gonna pain face no problem things only get worse and then Bradley sent us home and we were all locked in our houses with, with our families and just us and things got much, much worse. Things got so bad that it felt like my heart was just destroyed. It was ruined. I started to feel anxious or sad, and then everything would just turn off, and my eyes would glaze over, and I'd stare at the floor, and I'd sleep for 13 hours a day and sit in my room in the dark and not, you know, I grew up playing piano, and I loved to play piano. I didn't want to do any of these things that interested me. I was dead. I was dead in the water. And it got to the point where I, at its very worst, I would be up at 5 a.m. staring at my ceiling in my bedroom because the chest pains would keep me awake all night. And it wasn't something I wanted to do, and it wasn't something, you know, it's, it's not, no one ever wants to get to that point where they're like, yeah, I, I can't take it anymore. But I was there, and it was like, God, the God I thought I knew, I was talking to him every night, and I was like, God, what? Unless something happens, unless you turn out to be, you know, Unless something changes, I'm going to end up killing myself. And this continued for four months where I was, I was reading the Bible more than I ever had in my entire life. I was outside trying to, to I was crying out to the God that I thought I knew growing up. And, and that went on for, for probably four months, and then something changed. And in this world where we were alone in our homes, separated, completely separated from everyone, when I sat outside and I prayed and I read my Bible, I felt comforted. And not just me, oh, getting over this girl. It wasn't that. It wasn't 
oh, he's just doing better depression, you know, phase, because I was still very upset, but I felt comforted with a comfort that I had never felt in my entire life. And so one morning, as I was continuing to kind of grow in this new crazy relationship, I felt led to read this book called Hosea in the Old Testament. You know, it's one of those books that <laughs> growing up, you're kind of like, uh, those are old and dusty and kind of kind of gross. But I, I was like, okay, you know, I felt led to read it. So I was like, okay, I'll give it a shot. And, and I read it, and everything changed. It's all about one of God's prophets, Hosea, who he tells to go and marry this woman who is guaranteed to bring his heart to stone. And they get married, and they have children, and He's in love with her, he loves her, and then she breaks his heart and then leaves him and, and goes to other men, and, and uh, he's distraught. But God comes and says, now I want you to go, and I want you to love her in the face of all this. And he does, and, and, and God goes, this is my love for you, for all of you. Because even though you spit in my face and you reject me and you hate me and you pay no attention to me, even though I'm your father, I'm, I'm your lover, even though I'm the one who loves you more than anyone in your life, you've hated me, but I'm going to love you anyway. And that just overwhelmed me. And eventually he goes on to say, when Israel was a child, I loved him. Out of Egypt, I called them. But the more they were called, the more they went away. He says, it was I who taught them to walk, taking them by the arms. They didn't realize that it was me who healed them. I loved them with cords of human kindness and thighs of love. To them I was like one who lifts a little child to the cheek and I bent down to feed them. He says, how can I give you up? How can I hand you over? How can I treat you like these cities that were destroyed, like these people that were destroyed? My heart is overwhelmed within me. All of my compassion is aroused. And that's when it really hit that all of this heartache, this, this pain and devastation, all this inability to understand that someone I love so much and I cared about so much could, could basically just, just leave me behind, that's not even a fraction of, of the love that God has for us. So the curtain was drawn back, and I saw how great his love actually is, how amazing he actually is, and my priorities have changed from God help me with this problem to God, you're you're really awesome. You're fantastic. And I feel sometimes like it's, it's, I feel like I found a secret treasure. And like, why doesn't anyone else actually know what it is? I feel like grabbing my friends sometimes and shaking them and be like, just, you gotta, you gotta give it a try. Because <laughs> it's, it's the only thing really, I think, not worth living for. Let me tell you, it's, it's been the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. Because out of all this heartbreak and all this pain, all this devastation, all this hopelessness, where I thought I was going to literally physically die, came the greatest joy that I have ever experienced in my life. Being loved like no one has ever loved me in my life. I've experienced faithfulness. I've experienced love. I've experienced all these aspects of my relationship with God. And so I don't have to go blindly, although I don't get to know everything. I get to go based off of God, who, in all of these situations I've been faced with, has never once disappointed me or let me know.
to, is it uh, your intention here today to proclaim in front of family and friends that you belong to Jesus, and with, uh, with his help, you want to follow him all the days of your life? I baptize you in the name of the Father, and the Son,
pretty awesome story, don't you think? Yeah. Love the way that God busts in and rescues. And I hope you heard, even in the midst of the story, right out of, out of loneliness, he heard God calling him, like heard God calling him to build a friendship with him. And as a result, you can hear the joy and just life coming off him these days. And the same thing is true for you and me. And I don't know where you're at this morning with God. And maybe you're here or you're online or whatever. You're listening to it. And you're saying, you know what? Uh, if, if I'm honest, there's an ache of loneliness in my soul. And maybe this morning, maybe this morning, it's the living God speaking to you and calling you and saying, would you come? Would you come home? Jesus says he's loved you in such a way that he's opened wide the door for you to come back into relationship with him so that you can say like Jesus did, even if everybody else abandoned me, I am never alone because my best friend, the lover of my soul, right, my savior, my king, my God is with me always. Well, friends, I'm just wondering if today the Lord is in calling to you and calling to me and saying, you know, the the cure, so to speak, for the loneliness, for the, those things that our soul aches for is found in relationship with Jesus Christ. If you have never opened up your heart and life to him before, I'd encourage you to do it today, just to cry out, Jesus, I need you. Would you come and rescue me? Would you come and bring me back into that friendship with God? Maybe you're here and you've done that before, but for whatever reason, you've been looking elsewhere. Maybe the relationship with him has slid to the bottom of the priority list. You've been so busy doing everything else and all the stressors and all the things that are going on. And maybe today God is just saying, you know, it's time. Would you hit the pause button? Because you've gotten back to a place where your soul is empty and I want to fill it. Maybe today he's just calling you back and you just need to respond and say, God, I need you again, moment by moment, day by day. I want to learn to, to follow you. I want to learn to remain in you, to remain in your love, to bask in your love, to remain in your word and let your words remain in me. I, I need you, Holy Spirit, to come and fill me and saturate me and remind me that I am never alone. If, you have, if you've done that before or you've never done that before, but you find yourself feeling lonely these days, I, that is my, that's our cry today, just to turn back home and find all that we need in him. Amen? Let's close in prayer. Father, I, uh, I thank you for your great love for us. I thank you that you have opened wide the door, that we can be restored into that relationship with you, that friendship with you that we were created for. Lord, forgive us for too often and too easily looking elsewhere and, and settling for less than what you have for us. All the while, fullness and joy and fruitfulness and life is offered to us through Jesus Christ. And so this morning, God, we just, we just turn back to you with our souls empty or full or anywhere in between, with, with loneliness in our, soul, in our hearts, our minds, or, or not. It doesn't matter. Whatever's going on, we turn to you and we just open wide our hearts and our lives. We cry, we need you. On our best days, we need you and certainly on our worst days. So God, would you draw us close? Would you pour out your love on us and your grace on us afresh through Jesus? Would you restore us back into right relationship and then teach us day by day and moment by moment how to, how to build that relationship with you as we open up your word and start reading uh, your word to us. May it, 
may you remain in us as we pray to you and, uh, and whatever else. May we find you the pearl of great price. You like the treasure, the priceless treasure that in our joy we can go and, and, and purchase, even though it costs us everything. We, we need you. And so just we come back to you this morning. We just cry out, we need you, we want you. Would you draw us close? Would you restore us? We'll just have your way.